Good afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this, hockey fans. My name is Brian Mitchell. This is the PhD Podcast. I'd like to thank you for joining us for this podcast that leads you to the penultimate week on a lot of our sports. Um, the ACHA and the PIHL are coming up on their final weeks of their season. And, you know, postseason starting to stare down on some of these squads. Um, but we're going to start today, and I'm going to actually, before we get started on that, a um, little bit of head housekeeping. We refer to it on, of course, the PhD podcast. And the other podcast that I produce is the Action Track podcast at Learnerville Speedway. And we call it Housekeeping, where we tell you where we can find everything that you need. Of course, if you found us, you found us on berghockey.com. Um, you found us on Cloud at, you know, at, at PGH Hockey Digest. Of course, Instagram. Um, you find our Facebook and our Twitter at the same address. I'm at PhD underscore Mitch. And you can, of course, find our YouTube now on the same channel of all of our Berg Hockey Live coverage. And I'm going to lead off with the uh, the one thing that, you know, I don't usually get to talk to a lot about, and that's going to be the Robert Morris men's ice hockey team. And big win this week um, at Holy Cross. Uh, they needed it because Holy Cross opened up the first game of the weekend with a... Uh, with a commanding victory over Robert Morris, 5-3. to three. And it was a tough one because you don't get to see, you know, that Robert Morris has been on a, a little bit of an up and down this season, but still holding on in, in the Atlantic Hockey Association for a postseason bye. And, you know, you open up the game on the on Saturday, and it was four, Friday, 4 nothing is the lead that Holy Cross opened up. And, you know, goals from O'Leary, uh, Gene Liebold twice there before Adamo, Coleman, and Clegg got their goals. Brophy closed things out in an empty net. They cut it back to 4-3. So a very gutsy effort for Derek Schooley's squad on Friday night to be able to get back into that contest with Holy Cross, who they're battling for with that position in the, you know, for the, what is that? The, I believe that is the fifth position right now. Yeah, so they were, of course, in the middle of that battle with Holy Cross, the Crusaders. And you look at it, and you needed those points, but you didn't know how much you needed it until Saturday as Robert Morris came out, and they were able to defeat Holy Cross. They opened up the contest with four, uh 4-2 victory. They opened up the contest, actually dropped the first goal to Alec P- P- Peterson, and then Daniel Mantenuto, Santeri Hartikainen, and Lynch got goals. Luke Lynch getting back on the scoreboard is good to see. Um, Mantenuto gets ones from Perkusik and Lynch. The the, goal, the uh, captains get uh, points on all the goal on the two goals and uh, first and the third goal. Uh, Hartikainen gets one from Schaefer and Coin. Then Coleman gets one in the third period as the insurance goal. Four two is your final there. And the big one was Reed Cooper getting his first career victory in net for Robert Morris. Congratulations to Reed Cooper. The reason why that's a big contest is you look at the schedule for Robert Morris coming up. They have Canisius, a pair against the Canisius, and then a pair against Niagara to close the season. You look at those standings right now in Atlantic Hockey. Niagara is only three points behind Robert Morris two games away. Canisius is seven points behind Robert Morris in 10th right now. That number five spot in the position is a bye for the Atlantic Hockey Tournament. So that's a big one if you want to get it to get that week off and get that rest underneath you. Um, you want to pay attention to the Robert Morris men down the stretch and see what happens. They've got a somewhat favorable schedule. Niagara's given them fits throughout the years, 
and it's one thing you might want to pay attention to to make sure that, you know, that series is going to be good to close the year. That series, of course, is, let me see what we've got here, is versus Niagara, sorry, at Niagara in Lewiston on the 28th and 29th of February. So you get Canisius at home this weekend. is senior weekend, of course. Uh, you know, sorry, you're on the road against Canisius on Friday and then at home on Saturday against the Golden Griffins. So you're going to be able to pay attention to that one. It'll be a fun weekend had by all at the island um, honoring those members. I always joke around. I was joking around with the uh, Lynches. How's it going to feel to be off for, you know, after eight years of being at this at the island for your two children playing Robert Morris hockey? And <laughs> they didn't have an answer for me at that point. Uh, and it was fun. You know, you get to know that. But the seniors are going to be honored this weekend. It'll be fun to, uh, you know, always be involved in that. So the big, big weekend coming up for those guys. Uh, Robert Morris, of course, they're nine points, sorry, eight points behind RIT for the fourth spot. It's going to be a hard to catch up, ten points behind Army. That's three games at this point, you need to say it. So right now you're looking at the road. Basically the road um, by is what Robert Morris is looking But Bentley, two, one point behind them. Niagara and Air Force, three points behind them. Four points behind is Holy Cross now. Canisius is seven points behind in 29, so... It, it's still anybody's game, but, you know, at this point, you're hoping for that 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 fifth-place road by is what they refer to it as. You don't get a home game, but you end up getting the by that gives you the week off, and you play probably the best team that's going to remain. In the, so you'll play the four seed in the, fir, the next round. So um, that will be looking like it's either going to be RIT, Army, or Sacred Heart at this point. More than likely, it looks like RIT again, who the, the Colonials and now Tigers don't exactly have good blood between the two of them. So Army's also one of those. Of course, you you go back a couple weeks and see you now how everything played out with them uh, post game and such. So um, the postseason starting to look really interesting, and you know with Niagara and Canisius coming up, you don't know how it's going to play out for Robert Morris. Either they're going to host a first round game or be off in the first round and play in the second round on the road. So it'll be fun at the island. I say that a lot because it is, you know, um, Robert Morris hockey. You never know what's going to happen. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I went up to the Mercy Harris Ice Center and watched the women play, and they split. They didn't split the series. They lost and tied with Mercy Hurst. Um, probably one of the tougher series I've seen all year in person. Uh, the Cornell series was one that uh, – we, I didn't get to see, but they were able to, uh, you know, how they played out that one. So um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I went up to Erie and watched a good Erie Otters matchup. And I actually want to play the couple clips before we talk to Matt Mamros on that one. Um, those who are wanting to listen to PIHL coverage, I'm going to talk with Matt, with uh, Ed Major a little bit about that later in the show. So we can talk about that a little bit later. But I want to talk about a couple kids who you know, play up in Erie, and we don't get a lot of coverage in the OHL. Matt Mamros brings it to life, and I was able to go up and watch the show this past week, and it was actually a fun time to um, to catch some hockey from the CHL and the OHL and all that other fun, those other fun leagues that you get up in the great north area, the Great Lakes region, and Erie. They were able to erase a 3 nothing and 5-2 deficit to be able to win in a shootout over Oshawa, and 
great atmosphere with the crowd, and I'm going to talk to Matt Mamros about that in a second. But I wanted to play a couple uh, clips from our, you know, our local kids that are playing up there, um, Aiden Campbell and Austin Swankler. There's a feature coming out on Aiden Campbell. It's going to be on the site momentarily. I want you to pay attention to that whenever it releases. But here is Aiden Campbell, the former Seneca Valley and Penguins elite player, uh, plays for Erie. All right, so was it a tough decision for you to jump from uh, the high school AAA level up to the OHL in the, this season, especially when you know 17 years old coming up uh, a season like that? Yeah, I, th I think that uh, from my experience, from the AAA standpoint, it was like it was not as fast and the players weren't as skilled as some of the players in this league. However, I feel like that gap really has improved my game as a not like as a person and as a hockey player. So I'm glad I made the jump and just happy I'm here. Has it been easier having a, a netminder with you and uh, Murphy that's able to give you the uh, ability, same position you were three years ago, you know, coming in as a 16, 17-year-old? Yeah, Murph's really been helping me, like, find my, find the ropes in this in this team and everything. He's been a great influence, and I don't think I would have, like, I would have gotten anywhere without him. Like, he's really helped me, showed me the way, showed me how this league is a challenge mm -hmm. rather than other leagues, and I, I'm really grateful for him to be here. Okay. Um, are there any added pressures for you uh, looking to be draft eligible this season? And, you know, is that on the back of your mind on any given time? Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of stress about it but I mean at the end of the day it's it's just one day of the draft it's not a big deal like I mean it is a big deal but like mm -hmm. it's like somebody's dream like it gives a lot of stress like mm -hmm. there's always that next year but you want to get drafted this year with your birth class and everything so there's a lot of stress. Is it a lot easier in this league when you're playing against players who almost are in the exact same position that you are? Is it easier to show what you can do in that case? Yeah, it's a lot better exposure, I'd say. It's definitely a lot harder considering everybody's trying to get that draft spot. Everybody's trying to get picked. So everybody's working towards that same goal and making it challenging for me. But I'm willing to work harder than the other person. So. And one last question. Are you paying attention? Anything going on at home? Seneca Valley? Anything like that in the PIHL? <laughs> yeah, a couple of times, actually. I saw a couple articles about it, but, mm -hmm. I mean, some are good, some are bad. I mean, I'm, I miss all the, I miss everybody back at home, but okay. I'm happy I'm here. Of course, was Aiden Campbell, the goaltender for Erie, uh, the Otters up there. He's a 17-year-old playing in his first season after being drafted there. He's a draft eligible. I'll have a special up on him here on the website momentarily. But we also spoke with another kid from Norwin, and he played for the Pens Elite. This is Austin Swankler, who uh, won the championship in the NAHL last season. He uh, had a great game on Saturday night. So here is Austin Swankler. All right, Austin, um, and this is going to based off what I was just talking about. Um, there aren't many players that from our side of the city, the eastern side of Pittsburgh, actually make it to a level like this. Um, how does it feel to be in that group? Uh, you know, it feels pretty good, uh, you know, battling and, you know, trying to work towards it, uh, especially as a kid. You know, when I was playing hockey back at my school and stuff like that, uh, you know, most kids didn't play hockey, so, you know, mm -hmm. it was kind of that weird sport in uh, the high school I went to. So it's nice, you know, making it this far and being close mm -hmm. to home, so it's pretty cool. 
Um, now, we talk about that, and it's been easier to play a little bit closer to home after the last couple seasons, especially out in uh, South Dakota and Iowa and such. Yeah, it's definitely easier. Uh, my parents come up every weekend, and, you know, uh, just being close to home and knowing that they're there, and uh, especially being here playing for Erie Honors, you know, I grew up not really watching them, but, you know, like knowing mm-hmm. of them and knowing that's like kind of the Pittsburgh junior team that, uh, you know, I wanted to go to eventually, so uh, it's pretty nice. Okay, this leads into my next final question. Uh, you won a Clark Cup last year with Sioux Falls, and and uh, you were committed to Michigan. Uh, what was your thought process now being traded to Erie and becoming a member of the Otters? Yeah, you know, I thought I'd be more successful here. Uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the school and stuff like that, but I thought I could build my muscles up and, you know, bring a new physicality to my game and uh, just grow as an adult. You know, if you want to make it to the next level and be a pro, uh, I think this is, you know, the league that I should have went through. So. Thanks. All right, now joining us for his weekly segment is uh, Matt Mamros. Matt, uh, something interesting happened today that you want to talk to us about, and uh, why don't you bring it in? I will, I will gladly bring it in. And today is Hockey Day in America, and uh, I just saw my fifth hockey game live this weekend, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, we, we, had a, we had quite a weekend, I'll tell you that much, Mitch. Yes, we did. But... Uh, Kirsten Welsh, former Robert Morris player, current professional ice hockey official. Mm-hmm. Uh, linesman, linesman, I believe. Yeah, she's a, she's a linesman right now. That's probably better than any of the ones I've saw this weekend in, in actual action. Uh, I don't know. Um, that, that dog was pretty good. Oh, the, at, do, the at dog the Otters was game pretty was pretty good. The dog so. that did the face-off? Yeah. So, so which dog? The dog in Mercyhurst or the dog in, in the Otters game? The dog at the Otters dogs. game. The dog at the Otters game was spectacular, but we'll move on. Hold on. One's, go ahead and continue to talk, explain about Kirsten. Yeah, so she was on NBCSN in a live segment as part of Hockey Day in America as long with, uh, I guess, two or three other female officials to speak about women's role in uh, professional hockey and it's, um, the video is up online if anybody wants to watch it. It's, the video is called Former Hockey Players Making History as First Women to Referee NHL Games. So, uh, and it happened a little bit ago. So, if you guys can go on NBCSports.com, you can find it in the live clip. Absolutely. And here's it's a funny thing about Welshy. Um, we've had her on the show several times. And she graduated last year. And, you know, how you see about, you know, a lot of players, if they graduate, you don't hear too much about them. You know, some move on to professional uh you know, professional hockey, some move on along and, uh, you know, move into different things. But the last couple of seasons, it's been like, you know, we still see Ashley Veshi out there and, you know, she works with the Penn's Elite program and you still hear stuff from Maggie Legue, and, you know, doing the uh, the tour and, uh, you know, Anissa Gamble doing her thing, EJ Milne-Price doing her thing with EJ's Army, which is awesome. I'd love to have her back on the show at some point to talk about yeah, EJ's army. She's a pretty busy cookie to get a hold of, I can tell you that. Yeah, she is. But you know what? Rightfully so. You know, she's doing good things, and that, that's amazing to hear, to see from. And, you know, but Welshie has just continued to build and build and build and gain this momentum, and it, it's almost out of nowhere. Like, if you asked me which one of the, the, the graduating class last year would have went on to have a, a spectacular possible professional career and get all these accolades, it would have been her. She just went a whole different route about it and you know, we always joke about the fact that she had this you know, this this nasty streak when she played. But, you know, becoming an official, 
it's not exactly far fetched either. No, it, it's uh, it, it wasn't expected, but here we are. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard from every source that I've ever talked to that knows her is that it's awesome. So, but you know, with her, it's like like I, I love the show Big Brother. So like the the phrase that they always use is expect the unexpected, and that that's just how you have to handle everything that she does. And that's awesome that she was on NBCSN today. I'll have to watch it in a little bit. You just brought that up to me. Um, Sundays are usually my day to relax and not pay attention to anything until I have to record this show. So yeah, but, I happen to uh, I happen to find it on her Instagram story. Oh, so. okay, okay. Well, all right. So we move along. We're gonna go from you know. Congratulations to Kirsten Welsh to where we are now. The current Colonials headed to Mercyhurst for a series with the Mercyhurst Lakers this weekend. Huge because they had a one-point lead on Mercyhurst going into the weekend. They leave this weekend. They are trailing Mercyhurst by a single point. And Syracuse right on their tail. How did we get to this point, Matt Mamros? Well, uh, we, uh, we headed up there on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was not expected to head up there on Friday, but I got up there anyway. Um, and uh, they gave up two early goals. Robert Morris gave up two early goals, fought back to get in the game, never let at any point in that game. But uh, it wasn't as one-sided as the score said. I, I believe it, there, there was a lot of fight in the Colonials. and uh, Yeah, they came out really flat in that first period. Like, it was scary just, just how flat they were. Just defensive misplays that you don't usually see from them, and but I wouldn't they, expect to see in the future either. They were missing Sarah LeCavalier very, t- you know, very hor- like She's a big part of their defense, and, you know, missing her for the game, and you know, really hurt, especially against a team like Marcy Hurst, who has the depth that they do. Um, you want to be able to have that ability to, you know, be able to shut down multiple lines and, you know, no hats off to the remainder of the defensive core. I'll truthfully tell the uh, entire defensive core had a great weekend, um, especially um, like I keep saying it, Anna Fairman's getting better and better as the, se- the, the weekends go along. Um, you look at Ali Hebert, you know, outside of a couple missed plays, looked like she was uh, starting to really get the NCAA Division One standing. So it was a good... Uh, a good weekend for the for the defensive core, considering you know how many goals were given up on the weekend. But you know they came out flat on Friday. So, but you know there's nothing you can really do on that. Um, R.C. Hurst just had an answer for everything they tried to adjust for. And I'm just gonna flat out say it: I was not impressed with the officiating this weekend. Um, didn't do any favors for either team. Didn't do any favors for either team. No, I mean they they didn't call the obvious. And we got we saw that in Erie as well, but we'll we'll get to that later on in the game. But uh, yeah, I just it, it was not a great weekend for officiating, it, and it, it's hard to play more than one team, especially when you're not you're not there to to watch the, to compete against the officials. They're supposed to manage the game. Yeah, there were a couple several calls that could have went either way, but there was no excuse. Um... You know, you got to play better at some point, especially whenever you're in the hunt for a, uh, you know, the, your third straight regular season championship. Or is it fourth now? I, I believe it is four. Fourth it straight is four. regular season championship, and it just gets harder because then you come in the Sunday, I mean Saturday, and it was just a back and forth. You know, it was the exact same thing. You started out the contest, and you actually spotted him a three nothing hole in the, you know, to go into the second intermission. And we spoke about it after the game. I went over to the, the bleacher side, and I talked with you a little bit about it. 
and we're on the same page. Yeah. We're like, you know, what are they saying? You know, and then you saw the players start to come out, and they seemed like they were a little bit looser. And then as I got up into the back to the press box, they started to line up to go out on the ice, and it just seemed like a whole different team. Like the the team was awake, alive. They had momentum. They were creating their own, you know, their own opportunity. That second period Absolutely. was a great period of hockey for the Colonials. And I honestly want to say this is the most five-on-three power plays I've ever seen <laughs> in a series this weekend. That that was a little bit ridiculous, but uh, they got through it. They, yeah. they they dug a point out of the weekend, and unfortunately, Syracuse getting their sweep. Um, and RIT sweeping Penn State. Uh, that. That puts everybody within a point of each other in the top three spots: Syracuse, Robert Morris, and uh, Murphy Hurst. And I want to, I want to say it. You know, we look at that. And we're talking about that third period, and you know how they got back into that contest was unfortunately, you know, the two really bad hits. The one behind the net on Gabbard led to a holding penalty, which I'm still trying to, you know, listen. Yeah, I'll never like, be able to understand that one. And then the carbon copy of the hit directly in front of the penalty box is on Lexi Templeman that knocked Templeman out of the game. And, you know, that was, you, you hate to see it, and you just, but things like that get out of control, especially Mercyhurst was now on the ropes in that game because they had just given up how many goals in the second period. And then yes, Robert and Morris I mean, continued. That, that, yeah. whole, that whole sequence there changed the absolute outcome yeah. of that game because it was, and uh, un- unfortunately, you got a player that that's possibly injured for who knows how long now. And well, we don't know any of that. that. I haven't uh, gotten any details. You know, they haven't oh, released no, any but, details uh, on her. So, but you know, that'd be a right, big right, loss right, for Robert I mean, Morris. You have somebody that had to leave a game. You can only hope that uh, the the NCAA or the conference steps in and takes the appropriate actions to yeah takes a look you know, at what happened out. there. So. Because that was that, the that hit. was something that they got to look at. Because that that can't be happening. It doesn't matter what two teams are playing. You you just got to keep control under stuff like that. And there yeah. was no control. The hit was like it was completely avoidable. It was an unnecessary hit directly in front of the penalty boxes. And, and that's the biggest problem I have with the whole thing. I mean, you know, they're they're teaching these kids the how to, you know, properly take people into the boards and stuff like that. And the the mm-hmm. stop signs that. The, the peewee kids learned growing up and stuff like that. And there was no, that yeah. was something that was just completely unavoidable. That, that doesn't make the game safer. That was, you know, that's not even, we, you might, you might come back, well, women's game versus men's games. No, that was a, that was a, uh, a call in a men's game that should have been made. Cause that was that, definitely, that's a, yeah. that's a five, that's a five minute major and a 10 minute misconduct in a men's game. Because I mean, that anytime you have the head and neck area involved in anything, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's not pretty. All right. And, I mean, that's football, basketball, baseball, tennis. I mean, well, I don't know how you're going to get a head injury in tennis. but Well, you can. I, I, It's weirder things. I know if I played tennis, I'd probably find a way to have one. But, uh, no. You, I'm a you, big fan of the Wii tennis, and I almost got a concussion hitting myself with the Wii mat head once. So, I mean, yeah, I, I play a little bit of tennis happen. here and there, and I've uh, – I've learned it. My buddy wants to play every once in a while, and we play. But I, I couldn't imagine getting a head injury in it, but I could probably find a way for me to do it. So, um, no, we we, well, we, we joke about it. We joke about it a little bit. It's not a joking matter here. Um, and yeah, you, you mean, don't know what's going to happen. You know, you have to wait and see. And then you know, we'll, maybe we'll have an answer on Saturday. For, I mean, on Friday night for what what goes on with her, but not because they have our which is which is our which is our senior weekend. This is senior weekend, so I mean, everybody. 
and I'm going to come be... down to the island and celebrate the the careers and the successes of uh, both the men and women's team this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll have something up on the men's team. I mean, on the women's team this weekend. Um, I'm working, hoping that somebody can get something up on the men's team for the two. Of course, only three seniors with the women's team this year. So, and three influential seniors on the squad too. So, it's something to pay attention absolutely. to in the future. So, all right. We're going to move along, and I'm actually going to direct you instead of, you know, let you tell me where we're going. I because we right after the women ended up on uh on Saturday, we uh, I went up to Erie to the uh, Erie Insurance Arena for the Otters. Yes, game. I've been trying to get you there all week, but before we <laughs> all week, all year, the, you've been getting me year, yeah. going all year, and I actually played a uh, a clip for everybody before you got on about you know talking about. The you know talking to Austin Swankler and uh, Aiden Campbell. Campbell of course didn't play this weekend, and I mean this, this Saturday. And uh, Swankler, no, I, think I he thought looked Friday, solid. Uh, I want to say he played either Friday I don't or think Wednesday. They, they did not play Friday, so okay, I was going to so go must Friday. Have Wednesday. Yeah, they were off on Friday. I was going to go on Friday, but they were off. Yeah, because the OHL has a lot of those three and threes this year, just mm-hmm. like the ECHL, where the teams do play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So anyway. We move along, and we're talking about those guys, you know, the, the Erie Otters. And, you know, I'll tell you what, as a rough season as it has been for Erie recently, that was a game of the year uh, candidate, and I have not seen a game in, of of the uh, Erie Otters all season. So, uh, you know, down 5-2 yeah, I mean, in the third and then tie it up and win it in a shootout. The electricity. And they were in down 3 nothing at the beginning. I believe they were down 3 nothing at the was, beginning of the game. Well, it, was, it was deja vu. It was deja vu, Matt Mayer. It, it was it, like literally. I, was I just saw there that. Talking to my buddy, and I go, you know, we just watched this game, this exact game, earlier today with the women, and lo and behold, the Otters came back. the uh, The other half of the uh, the Robert Morris crew that came up for that uh, Mercy Earth game, they left after the second period, and what a mistake that was. Oh my! I didn't even know that. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah, that, that game. That game was something else, and I handed it to the Erie Otters. That was a good. Um, first impression on the Otters this season this late in the year. I'm excited. I had a chance to go see it. Um, I thought they looked impressive against a team in Oshawa who was, frankly, battling for uh, what a mid-tier or at least a top seed in their division. So, um, well, there, there were there's three points separating them, te- technically speaking, if you put the the conferences together. But no, Oshawa is in the other conference. But they yeah. uh, they're trying to move up to get out of uh, or to get up the host the first round. Yeah. So, so it was they're a, two pretty pretty evenly matched teams, although Oshawa does have two forty goal scores on their yeah. team right now. And I could tell just by watching them that they played strong. I'll tell you you give you this much too. One thing that really rubbed off on me in the uh the weekend up there was the crowd. The how into it the crowd in Erie actually is. Um, yeah, on if you go during the week it's not like that. You go on the weekend they consistently get three to four thousand people. Yeah, and that was that was awesome to see the the Otters play like they did, and I'm excited to you know be able to bin up there and check it out, and you know hats off to the Otters first class of how they handled everybody at that arena too. I think the media, the fans, all of that. Um, I think they they really handle it the way you're supposed to, not over the top, nothing's being you know thrown in your face like you have to pay attention to this. This is all. You know, it's about us, it's about us. No, they want you to go and they want you to enjoy a hockey game. And I think they yeah, handled it absolutely. well. And they, they handled everything well. And uh, like I said, There's not off. a bad seat in the building either for, for fans that want to come up and see that. And mm-hmm. uh, 
I mean, this this team is young. They they have their young core there, and they're going to continue to just build upon what's already there. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be you're, you're looking at a team that they're not. They might not be ready for the playoffs this year. They're still in the hunt for it, but mm-hmm. but next year they'll be even better than what they are this year. Yeah. And uh, lots of lots of roots, lots of local kids on the uh, on the team, both Swankler mm-hmm. and Aiden Campbell, and. Uh, just, just the team. This is a team that doesn't quit either. They, they could be down ten to nothing, and they could still find a way to get, get back into it. To just, just the way that they play the game, and it's amazing that the whole thing turned around after a fight. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that was a fight. You know, you don't get to see it like I, you know, me covering high school and collegiate hockey. You don't get fighting in those in that, at that level, and to see it every once in a while is a breath of fresh air. But uh, yeah, that was a fun time. Um, so moving along, and that was a defenseman playing forward because of injuries. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Kitchenick. Oh, and he had a blast. But that was a great. You know, that him, the crowd just reacted. Everybody had a good time. All right. Oh, so, the crowd, the crowds in Erie, they love that stuff. Yeah, they, they love the big hits. And I mean, Erie is now eighth place in their conference. They still got a crime over Owen, Owen Sound and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guelph to get into the playoffs, but uh, mm-hmm. they're only they're only six points back. So I mean, any anything can happen with the Otters. All right, so let's uh, let's move along to the next step that you have for us. Yeah, let me see where we're going here because I I, I lost my. I spot. threw you oh, out. You of, know what? I threw you out of order uh, here. Yeah, we we forgot to uh, to mention that Emily Crowett is now tied in power play goals for the lead and. Congrats to JC for passing 50 points on the year. Oh, let's, let's go to Youngstown because on Saturday we actually had the uh, the full sweep happen there. Uh, I mean, besides Robert Morris women, I mean, they just got a point. But uh, Wheeling won on Saturday. Youngstown won on Saturday. Um, the men's team won on Saturday. Yeah, and, we can uh, talk about that Eerie too Otters. in a second. But go ahead, Erie yeah, Otters. How did the Youngstown Phantoms do? So, um... Youngstown played on Friday and they beat Muskegon three to one in the Cavalli Center. Okay. And then on on Saturday they beat Muskegon five to four also at the Cavalli Center. Our, our uh, friend of the show, Larry Snyder, PA announcer there, he does a great job with it. The legend, he gets, he gets, the legend. Yes, he get, he cranks it up an extra notch when he's there in uh, in Youngstown. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's amazing to me. My one friend was mentioning to me that. Uh, in in uh, Youngstown, they don't have media timeouts. They no, have they just, just regular timeouts, and it, it's amazing how he never mixes any of that stuff up <laughs> with uh, him calling so many different games. He, he's the ultimate professional, that legend. He is awesome. Yes, yes, he is. And I mean, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to get the the scoring summary to load here for for that uh, Saturday game because I mean, it, it looks like it was back and forth the whole way. Right, but uh, Young Youngstown completing the weekend sweep mm-hmm. of Muskegon, and those are very very spirited games. Uh, they're always big hits mm-hmm. and uh, lots of lots of power forward style goals. But uh, next weekend Youngstown's on the road. They got uh, Waterloo and uh, Des Moines okay. coming up this weekend, so that'll be good for them to go there and try to climb a little bit in the standings. They're currently on the. The outside looking in, I believe, on the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Oh, no, 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 never mind. They don't have a home round in the first round of the playoffs. And if the playoffs started today, they would play Team USA U18 
in the first round of the playoffs. I, I believe that's where. Where is that at? That is. That's a Plymouth. Uh, that'd be Plymouth, um, Michigan. Michigan. All right. So, yep. Okay. Yep. So we moved to Youngstown. Now, what do you got next for me? Let's uh backtracking here. Oh, let's go. Let's go to Johnstown here because mm-hmm. Johnstown had the Jamestown Gen- or James uh, the Janesville Jets and the Jamestown Rebels are two different teams. Right. Yes. They had uh the Jamestown Rebels who were who kind of close to the bottom of the standings, but uh, they came to Johnstown this weekend and Johnstown collected the sweep, uh, winning Friday two to three or three to two, and winning one to nothing on Saturday. The Johnstown picking up a weekend sweep. They move up in the standings a little bit point wise, trying to get closer to the New Jersey Titans, but uh, it, it it's going to come down to whenever those two teams play again to as to who actually wins the East Division. But it, it's totally possible for Youngstown or uh, Johnstown to do it. Um, I believe that I believe the last time they met the Titans, they swept them. Okay. In New in New Jersey, so that's going to come down to the end here of the season. I mean. The, the difference between one, two, and three is, is actually kind of big uh, in terms of one and two are just far above three. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a two-team race for that East Division in the NAHL. And if anybody hasn't gotten out to see the, uh, the Tomahawks yet this year, I highly recommend it. Yeah, they're, they're, I need to get out there. They're on the next list, uh, you know, getting eerie this year. The, the, the Tomahawks and the the Tomahawks and the Youngstown Phantoms are now on, on the short list. Because of their you know the ties that we have with them, and I, I need to be able to get out there. So yeah, definitely. yeah. There's actually a uh, Pittsburgh native on Youngstown. His name is uh, Caden Lewandowski mm-hmm. or Lewandowski, I believe. Yeah, he's a uh, a hybrid forward defenseman, and he's a big kid too, and he's a big hitter. So I, he's I, fun to watch. I also consider you know, doesn't it just a tie that's you know having a kid from Pittsburgh on Youngstown? It's still an extension of. You know our region at the Youngstown level of having the USHL that close and being able to have them covered is a big thing to us. Yeah, I so. mean the rumors of uh, there possibly being a team coming to Cranberry to be 66 in the USHL. I mean that's that's some exciting stuff. We'll see if that actually ever comes to fruition. But that would uh, be a big add to the you know for the USHL. And you know there there has to be a reason that they're continuing to have the uh, the, showcase. the showcases, the USHL showcases, all this stuff and. You know, what I've gathered from the previous, you know, from talking to the people up at 66 every once in a while, you know, I had a discussion with somebody up there. They're possibly, you know, that's the reason why they put in the uh, the hardwire so that they have the ability to do that for in the future. And, you know, with all the rumors that we have floating around about the future of that venue, uh, you never know what they're planning on doing with it. Because yeah, I've heard you anything. really have no idea because... Uh... Next, next thing you know, they'll be telling ghost stories about the place. Yeah. Oh, that or, you know, I've heard everything from, you know, that what's going on with it there to they're putting in five rinks. And now we're talking about a full-fledged, you know, a, a big seating arena. And I, I don't know what to believe anymore. So Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do know they're adding to it. We just don't know what they're adding to it yet. And, and everything and, and what the time frame is for that either. And it'll be... And it'll just be what it is, you know. We won't know until we actually have to think about it. So, all right. Yeah, and I mean, with the success of both uh, the USHL Fall Classic being played there twice in a row, um, mm-hmm. I believe the NAHL wants to look at getting into some sort of showcase games there as well. And uh, hopefully the women's uh, um, battle for the bird continues there next year. Oh, I would. I'm 
really excited to see if that continues because that was a fun little game. And I, you know what that might also be, and I'll just throw this out there as a possibility. That could be a new home for the you know the Three Rivers Classic. That I mean, you, you think about it, and the number of seats and the you know the way everything played out for the women's tournament and how it all looked, you know how it all played out the size wise. That's where you know it worked out great. So, all right, what do, you, do you have anything I mean, else? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, What's up? Somewhere here. Oh yeah, we forgot about the nailers. Um, oh, can't no. can't forget about the nailers. No, you can't. I mean, mind you, they're they're in fifth place right now, mm-hmm. but they actually beat Fort Wayne on on uh, Saturday six to one, and uh, former RIT captain and uh, Pittsburgh native Alexander uh, is, is it uh, Kukali? Is that how you say his Kukali, name? Kukali, yeah. Kukali, yeah. He he actually is on Fort Wayne, so that's. Uh, Nice to see any time those guys come back in through the area. But uh, Fort Wayne is – that used to be a team the Nailers would just absolutely own every, every year. And the last two, possibly three seasons, it, it, the script is flipped. So, yeah. always good to see that. Um, and, uh, of course, Wheeling, their next home game is Wednesday, February 19th at 7 o'clock against the Reading Royals, and then they play again uh, – Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. All right. I'll actually be down there on Wednesday. You're welcome to join me if you if you'd like. Uh, I have my we'll have start to. a new show Wednesday night, so I'm officially tied up Wednesdays now forever. So. It's uh, Nailers win Wednesdays. For anybody who wants to go down there, Nailers win. You get free home tickets. All right. All right. All right. So Matt, I thank you for coming on with me tonight. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you this weekend at the island. That you will, absolutely will. I will you'll, you'll probably see me a little bit earlier than usual. All right. That was Matt Mamros. I'm Brian Mitchell. We will be back on the PhD podcast momentarily. Joining us now is our ACHA CHMA writer and, uh, you know, coverage guy, coverage guru, and as well as our PIHL in the rank recovery, uh, Mr. Ed Major. Ed, how's everything going today, sir? Everything's going pretty well. Uh, I think I spent the day trying to recuperate from a pretty exciting weekend of hockey. Yeah, yeah you and me both. I ended up out in Erie, and then uh, we moved along, and you know, I had stayed in Erie for one extra game last night, and now here we are talking about you know you you're actually you're you're pretty much wound up for the season from the CHMHA. Um, yeah, you got playoff seedings. Yeah, you got uh, we, we you've got you still got three games remaining on on the conference schedule. That's West Virginia has to play Slipper Rock and Mercerhurst. That's Friday and Saturday of next week, and then Robert Morris plays Slipper Rock next Saturday. But none of those games are going to affect the seedings or anything, because the the most that can happen is Slipper Rock ties IUP in the standings, but IUP beat them twice, including last Thursday a seven to nothing showing of the pride that game. So that gave them the season series over over Slipper Rock for that one. Right. So uh, so let's talk about that play the playoff picture now. Um, you know, you get the positions in here, and you know, you you mentioned it the last couple times how the uh, you know you, you have a team that maybe finishes sixth, be able to, like like Robert Morris did last season, and yeah, make a run yeah, at last, it. So how does the uh, how do the playoffs look right now? Last year, Robert Morris got into that number six uh, spot. If my computer will stop screwing up on me here. <laughs> okay. If Robert Morris got into the number six spot, they beat number three seed Pittsburgh. Four to two, they beat the top seed IUP, who won the regular season championship last year, six three, 
and then beat Slipper Rock in the championship eight to seven in overtime. Right. So, so right now this year you've got Pitt and Robert Morris have taken the top two seeds. Pitt clinched the regular season championship with an eight to one victory last on Friday night last night against mm-hmm. Flipper Rock with eight different scorers, which by the way did not include their top scorer Austin Tonkovich. He was not one of the goal scorers. Yeah. And their second goal scorer uh, Oldridge Virag is out with an ankle injury since February 1st against Robert Morris. So he was not one of those goal scorers. So they can get some scoring from anywhere. But so they took the top seed. Robert Morris gets the number two seed. So those two have the first round bye. Mm-hmm. IUP locked up the number three seed. They will ho- they will play the Duquesne Dukes next on Friday, February 28th at 6 p.m. at Alpha Ice Complex in the first of the quarterfinal matchups. The Dukes getting in courtesy of Merserhurst's loss last night to the Pitt Panthers. And you have Slipper Rock and John Carroll playing in, the, in that other first quarterfinal game at 9 p.m. at Alpha on Friday the 28th, which actually, by the way, is a rematch of the first round game last year in the tournament. Last year, number four Slipper Rock played number five John Carroll. All right. So, you know, so a little, yeah. little rematch there. And I believe Slipper Rock, they, they beat. John Carroll on November 1st by a score of 3-2 to two, mm-hmm. and then beat them again 4 nothing up at Gilmore Academy on January 24th. So Slipper Rock actually swept the season series against John Carroll. But John Carroll, can they, they can win when it matters too. They beat Duquesne twice, putting up eight goals each time. They beat Mercyhurst once this season. So they're, they're definitely, they can definitely steal you a game as well. So that game, to me, is going to be up in the air. All right. So... You know, you talk about that postseason, and I guess I'll just open it up in, with this question for you from the ACHA side. Um, going into this season, since we're almost completely out of the you know the regular season here, I'll, I'll just ask the question: um, Were there any teams that surprised you this year of how they you know they responded to their season schedule? Uh, maybe you didn't see that was going to have a, a great season and ended up having it compared to what they could have. I, I, I'm actually going to say not really. And I, I know kind of the, if you're a listener out there, you kind of want me to say, oh, yeah, this team was really surprising. I thought they'd be down here. They were up here, but really kind of all shaped out similarly to how I thought it would go. I, I Did I expect Pitt to, to be 13 and one right now in conference play and 26 and two overall? Maybe I didn't expect them to, to be up there. They're currently ranked 19th in the country. So they're, they're kind of exceeding my expectations in that matter. But they, even last year, they did they did fairly well. I think last year, um, trying to get to la- last year, Pitt finished 9-4-1 and one in the conference standings, finished mm-hmm. third in the conference. So I, I figured they'd be somewhere around there, but they, they pleasantly surprised me jumping up and doing this well. Robert Morris is up there, too, at 11-2 and two in conference mm-hmm. play. IUP, Slippery Rock are kind of middle of the pack. In fact, the one thing that did surprise me was IUP not doing quite as well as last year. They finished the conference season last year 12-2. and two. Now they're sitting at 8-5-1 and one with 17 points on the season. So maybe they fell off a little bit more. But I, I don't see that as an indicator of, of what they can do in the postseason because they've got three great goaltenders that can all steal you a game, IUP does. All right. So... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> really, it's all shaping up how, how I expected it to play. But one thing I've learned this season is any team in the CHMA can beat any of the other teams because I, I was actually really hoping for a Slipper Rock win over Pitt a couple nights ago. 
because then you'd have Slipper Rock beating Pitt twice, Pitt beating Duquesne twice, and Duquesne beating Slipper Rock twice. <laughs> so it, there's a lot of there's not much parity in the league here. Anyone mm-hmm. can beat anyone on any given day. So it'll be an exciting playoff tournament in, in, in a couple of weeks from now. All right, so you know, there's not much more we can really say about the CHMA and that because we know we got to let the play the postseason settle itself coming up. So we're going to move along, and we're actually going to jump down one level to the high school level. Um, I'm going to lead with you on one question. We left last week's podcast with the question: Who's going to beat Baldwin? Is it going to be Montour? Is there a chance for Montour, or is it going to be West Allegheny? And I think we got our answer last week, <laughs> and you were you were there for what happened. <laughs> That was that was Nick Bandai scoring two goals in the third period to, to take down Baldwin. It was uh, I, I think Baldwin fell behind one nothing real fast. They tied it up and they took a two one lead. West A tied it. Then they took a three to two lead and, and at the end of two. But then w- what happened in the third period? Nick Bandai happened. That's who. Yeah, <laughs> and that was a. I was watching the scoreboard from Barrel Ice Complex and. You know, that I actually closed my show with an upset alert because, like, I always do. I always see them as that's where I was whenever uh, whenever Baldwin, I mean, not Baldwin, uh, Hampton defeated Latrobe is we were oh, talking yeah. about, uh, you know, big upsets coming up. And it was just fun. It's always an interesting way to go about it and have those upsets. And, you know, now it creates an interesting scenario in the north, in the uh, southeast, I'm sorry, southwest. And it does because you got Montours plays Baldwin on Monday, and the yeah. game right before them is going to be Franklin Regional and West Allegheny. I mean, we don't get much more of playoff scenarios involvement than those two games at this point because Montour with a loss is done. If you yeah. if you look at the uh, thing, West Allegheny, they're done for the season, so they'll have more points. And I mean, West Allegheny, ha- I mean, Montour is not done if with a loss. Let's put it this way. Montour still has Penn Trafford in the, the next week on Monday. They'll have to play the Warriors at Center Ice Arena. And that will be a game that Penn Trafford's going to possibly need to win to be able to be in the postseason, you know, to make the yeah. postseason because they're right in the, in the thick of things in the Southeast. So, so um, this whole of Class AA is really coming down to the wire. I, I, I did my previews today. Like, I literally just got done with the previews before I started recording today. And I couldn't even put a scenario in that gives anybody a clinch this week. Yeah. Because Hempfield has three games left. I'm sorry, they have two games left. They have Penn Trafford on Tuesday, which is going to be the next game that's the biggest game of the week. Yeah. And then they have they have uh, Hampton next month, next week, and I have that game on Berg Hockey Live. And, and don't count out Hampton. Hampton has three games left, and they're very much involved in this playoff race, which is funny because, you know, you get these teams that are on the outside looking in. They're very much the possibility that they can uh, that they can be a, a, a breaker here. They can break, you know, some ties or some scores yeah, here. Yeah, well, while Hampton can't get in themselves, they're very much involved oh, in the yeah, playoff there's race. There's a lot they of spoilers. Spoiler and, a lot and of spoilers. They've, they've played spoiler in the past, and they, I think they thoroughly enjoy that role. Oh, yeah, they've, they've, they've gotten very efficient at it being, you know, you know, if they're not going to be able to be in the race, they're going to at least have the, the uh, say in who's going to make it. And, yeah. you know, if there's anybody that can stand on their head against a high-ranked offensive attack, it's Jake McGee. And I'll say it a thousand times. That goaltender, he is a one, one 
hell of a goaltender. And, you know, if he had a little more size, he'd be getting a lot more going on. So I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it on record now. He should have been an all-star this year. Yeah, and now, you know, it's just a rough season for him. He didn't have the offensive support around him. Hampton, you know, a down season for that team. Um, and you just look at it and you say, you know, if, if there's a player that can continue to do that, and it's going to be McGee. And that's not even the division with the biggest race right now. Those two divisions we talked about, I haven't even bothered to touch the other one. It's going to be even a bigger race. That two teams don't even play this week, and and that's Mont. That's the the Northwest, and that's Quaker Valley, uh, Mars, and Meadville. Meadville's the only team that plays this week at, amongst those teams, and me and Mars controls their own destiny, and they're in and third Mars place. And Mars still has three games to play too. They, they have the most games to the, play the, so far. If they win out, they will be the Northwest Division champions. That is. You know, Quaker Valley and Meadville are there, and it's just one of those things where, you know, with a win this week, Meadville has moon. Meadville can jump in the first place. and But that doesn't mean anything. But it doesn't mean a thing, and that's another division where nobody, no team can do that. Mar- the only thing that can happen is that Mars, I think Mars does play this week. I think I had it down. They do play this week. Um, they will... Let me see what we got. They play Thursday. They do play Thursday. Yeah, there you go. There was why I thought. There's Hampton again. There is Hampton rearing their heads again at at somebody. And Hampton's going to be involved in that race because if Mars defeats Hampton, Mars clinches at minimum a play-in game for the, you know, gets the qualifier game at minimum. So it's uh, (laughs) a... You look at that, and you know this is a great race right now in in Double A. Like I said, none of the three teams in the race can clinch a playoff berth this week. Meadville ends their regular season, so like they're done on Monday. Like Meadville's done on Monday. Mars has three games to go, and they're only down by two points on Meadville. Meadville and if Meadville drops to Mars, things become interesting because you have so many, you know. Let's see. Let's let's jump back into the Double A and look at these. You know the schedule and- for. For Mars, Mars will finish the season with. Uh, let me load that up right now. My computer's going a little slow right now. Is it? Is it Hampton? February twenty seventh? <laughs> yes, February twentieth. They have Hampton. February twenty fourth. They're at Moon at Barrel. They play their last three games at Barrel. Hampton. Yeah. Moon and then Quaker Valley on February twenty seventh. They and, have and that the game Quakers. on the twenty seventh. That's that's Quaker Valley's Quaker Valley. last game of the season too. Quaker Valley will have not will not have played a game since February 10th at that point. That's 17 days. Yeah. Between an 11 nothing loss to Greater Latrobe and that Mars game. So here's so. here's what it comes down to, and we're gonna say this right now. Look at that. Look at those standings. The in the double A, if Meadville wins on if Meadville wins over Mars over um, Moon on this week. Meadville will have, in in terms, clinched a playoff berth. In terms, we'll say we'll just say that they they should not miss. That's the reason why Mars will clinch at least a playing game at that point. Uh, they can, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. There's a good chance there. Mars has Quaker Valley. That game is the biggest game that might be out there for when it comes to a home game for the week. For the season. Yeah. Because Mars has the two teams that we named, Moon 
and who else did we say? Hampton. Hampton and Moon. Hampton beat, let's just say Hampton does what they do best, and they move along, and they beat, and then they they beat Mars. Okay, so Mars is sitting there in 18 points, maximum points remaining. So they'd have to, you know, if Meadville defeats Moon, that puts Meadville at 18 points, Mars will sit at 14 points, Quaker Valley will be at 17 points. Well, Mars would need to win out. And Mars yeah. goes in, and they have Moon. Let's just say, because Moon, it's been a down season for the Tigers. So Mars has the ability to walk in, you know, stay at barrel at home. It's home cooking for them. It's not like they're going much further than they normally would have to. Yeah. They take yeah. care of Moon. So now they're at 16 <laughs> points with Quaker Valley on looming. Now, Meadville will have clinch. No, will not have clinched a home game, which makes this more important because Meadville sitting at 18 points. Mars will be sitting at 16 points. Quaker Valley will be sitting at 17 points. An overtime win by Mars over Quaker Valley will t- three-way tie them on the season. And how do you play? A, how do you have a play-in game between three teams? You don't. <laughs> what you do is you have 18 points tied up, <laughs> and it is possible here. Now, what happens is one of those teams has to have the tiebreaker over both of them. Quaker yeah. Valley would have Quaker Valley and Meadville would have. Identical wins with Mars. They all have eight wins. So <laughs> you have to look. Does one team have a better record against all of them? Well, Quaker and Valley, Quaker Valley and Meadville will have tied their season series earlier this year. Quaker Valley and Mars. Let's see what we got. Mars has already. Where's Quaker Valley? They they beat Quaker Valley earlier this season, so they will have won their season series against Quaker Valley. So that head-to-head right there, Meadville and Mars will have been, Meadville and Mars will have, let's see what we've got here. we got Meadville right here, Meadville right here. They will have split their regular season series. Yeah. So we're, we're in multiple tiebreakers <laughs> that I don't even want to think about because you have to tiebreak for the first seed, and then you have to have a play-in game for the final seed. So... You have to have one of those teams will have clinched, and that will be uh, Mars will have won. Oh, I'm sorry. Mars will have won the tiebreaker. Mars will have won the tiebreaker in that scenario because they would have nine wins. Yeah. And Meadville would have eight, and Quaker Valley would have eight. So Mars so would Mars go on would to the championship game, and then Meadville and Quaker, and Quaker Valley, Valley would, would play for would a, a playing game. And uh, and we're just, we're just throwing ideas around right now. That's yeah. not might not happen, but... That's a that's a race right there, and we're going to talk about another race that we have on. Um, or at least, if you're the league, you hope that you don't have that scenario. <laughs> you know, right if, now, if you're the league, you're in we're charge close of things. You hope on you don't several get that. of those. Let's just, let's just talk about another scenario, and that's in Class A. All the divisions are set except for one, and that's the exact same situation. Kiski and Fox Chapel have you know multiple games left each. Kiski has one game in hand on both of them. Kiski, Indiana, and Fox Chapel. Kiski has two games this week. Two wins clinches the division for Kiski. Because one of those wins is going to be over Fox Chapel. I'm sorry, clinches a playoff berth for Kiski. They clinch the number one seed if Fox Chapel defeats Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> which, very, which could happen. We're not there. You know, like you look at it, a win in an Indiana win over Fox Chapel gives them a playoff berth. 
two wins gives Kiske a playoff berth. And then the Cavaliers will clinch a number one seed with any combination of three points this week and a Fox Chapel win over Indiana. That's how that division falls out. And then we have a challenge, you know, we have the, the showdown between Indiana and Fox Chapel. Indiana can clinch a berth, playoff berth with any win over Fox Chapel because that will bring Fox Chapel below the point, the level that Indiana needs yeah. to, to eliminate them. And they'll both win a playoff. They'll both be in the postseason, and that'll end it there. Um, but, you know, it doesn't win the division for Kiske at that point. So I have that Indiana and the Indiana Fox Chapel game I'll be covering on Berg Hockey Live this week. So we talk about that, and you look at those, you know, those scenarios, and how crazy is it right now? I mean, you look at I don't even want to go in the third. Give me a, like, on my site, on the website, I put a tiebreaker clinching scenario on, you know, who has the tiebreaker on who in the in AAA. And I got a headache just looking at it. And I wrote the darn yeah. thing. I mean, I, only I, four teams, only two I teams, even... two scenarios that teams are tied right now that go to wins and penalty minutes. We still have, what, four or five games outstanding between the teams that have to t- worry about tiebreakers. See, I even look at the standings in single A, and 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 I I get I get confused as it is because I keep thinking of double A where where single A teams play two extra games than the teams in double A That's because you've got those to, two wheeling thanks games. to the wheeling teams you have to play so, each one so, of them once. So I, I start looking at it, I start looking thinking of scenarios, and then I remember the wheeling teams, and then I go back and I start thinking of the whole thing all mm-hmm. over again, and and it just gets all into a convoluted mess. Yeah, and then we haven't even looked at. You know the scenarios for seeding in AAA and the you know the Class B South right now, which is four points from first to fourth, and yeah. that's starting to settle down. Elizabeth Forward's getting ready to settle to to clinch a playoff berth with a Bishop Canavan loss and a win. You know, so you know that's a possibility there for them to clinch. And you know Morgantown's not close, but Morgantown has. Uh, you no, know, they went, clinch a playoff berth with loss by Bishop Canavan and a win and, and a, a win over Connellsville. They play Connellsville this week. I might stop down and check that one out in person. We won't go live with that one without permission from the league. I don't know if I'm going to be able to because of you know technical you know technical know-how down there. I'd have to talk to the league and make sure I can do it. But you know I might try to slide down there and get that one. But Morgantown I'll have covered three times on Berg Hockey Live, but. Every time it is, we've been talking postseason with the Mohawks. Hey, if if, if they're getting in close, if they're if, if they're involved in these games that are playoff implications, then then yeah. we we gotta show those. Yeah, those are good games to be covering, and we get like I say, I told I told somebody last night we're getting our best coverage from the Class B teams. You know, everybody's watching it there, but I I have a feeling this Indiana and Fox Chapel game is gonna be something special that we're going to be able to watch on Tuesday, and I, I can't wait to bring that to everybody. And the only other game that I have is the aforementioned, you know, Hampton and Shaler. I mean, Hampton's going to be on Berg Hockey Live after that game. So, you know, you talk about that, and we're getting we're moving along in this season, and, you know, it's coming to an end, but <laughs> you got to be excited about how this season's played out. The, the only thing I can tell people is, you know what, hey, this is so confusing – let us worry about it. Follow us. We'll bring it all to you. We'll 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 figure it out for you. And if I don't have the answers, I just talk straight to the league. So we go yeah. from there. So all right, Ed. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me about this, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit later about this at some point. Um, next, no, two weeks from this Sunday. I mean, two weeks from Sunday from today will be our live pregame of any of the qualifier games 
um, for the PIHL. We'll have a playoff preview prior to those because any playoff playing games will already have been set of who's going to play who, so we don't have to worry about that scenario this year yeah. of who's going to be. So uh, we'll, we'll be live before those games. So I'll see you then, and uh, we'll see you for those ACHA uh, games. Oh, yeah, this will be a – ACHMA playoffs on 28th, 29th, and March 1st, all at Alpha Ice Complex. Yeah. So those will be, and we, I think that that tournament will kind of stay at Alpha for for the foreseeable future because that's the you know cheapest ice time around the region, and half the teams are centered around there. So <laughs> two teams just, call it, it the home rink. Exactly, Duquesne and Pitt. So if anyone's looking for to see some great playoff action at the end of every February, that last weekend every year, just come on out to Alpha every year. You'll see some great stuff. All right, Ed. Thank you for coming on. I'll talk to you a little bit later. No take, problem. I'll take, keep it up. That was Ed Major. We had Matt Mamros right behind him. I thank everybody for watching this week on the PhD podcast. We should have some better answers than the PIHL next week for you. Um, of course, we've got two Berg Hockey Live matchups that pay attention to. West A is hosting Franklin Regional on Monday, and we will be at Montour in Baldwin Monday night following at the Island. And then in the following day on Tuesday, I'll be at the Alpha Ice Complex where the new, I believe, no, no, sorry, Fox Chapel uh, Foxes will host Indiana in a Crucial matchup for both teams as Indiana can eliminate Fox Chapel from the postseason with a victory. However, that game could go sideways and mean a lot for Kiske in the end. So um, if you want to pay attention to that matchup, it will be a slobber knocker at Alpha. Means the world for both squads. So we'll follow that up with a matchup between AA uh, rivals, I guess, at this point. Shaler and Hampton. Um, not a lot going on for the playoffs in that postseason. However, some very solid squads that have had a down year, and we're going to have fun uh, covering them. And Hampton, of course, getting ready to play spoiler the rest of the way possibly as they have Hempfield and, Mo and Mars in the remainder of their season. So Hampton, of course, defeating the Greater Latrobe Wildcats earlier this year. Okay, so for everybody, for Matt Mamros, for Ed Major, I am Brian Mitchell. I thank everybody for coming on and listening to the PhD podcast. We will see you next week, and we will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.